The following is another dynamic message by Ryan Jacobs, prophet, teacher, and leader of the Empowered Church. I want us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. We're going to read from verse number 1. By the mercies of the Almighty God. It says verse. This know also. That in the last days. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own sons. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemous. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful unholy, without natural affection, tooth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. It sounds like our day. We can see around the world, newspapers, social media everywhere. Men have already began to turn without natural affection. They're having unnatural affections. They are truth breakers. They say we're going to do the one thing and they do the other. They fight one man for the one thing, but when they get there, they do exactly what they persecuted that person for doing. They are not content anymore. They are fierce. They are violent. They attack and they murder and they cuss. Anyone that is good, they attack the person vehemently. They cancel that person. It is, it is this hour that we are in. They are heady. They are stubborn. They are walking high-minded and they are conceited. They are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You see what has happened in the world. You see what has happened. That is the first Sunday that the lovers of God can join in this nation in 2021. But the lovers of pleasures never spend one day without their pleasure. Their pastime was given unto them, but not the lovers of God. And so you must understand that we're living in the last days. In the last of the last days, and these are perilous times. Understanding this, then having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So, other words, it's a form, it's the power. But what did Paul tell Timothy in the first epistle? He says that godliness is profitable in all things, it is profitable in every area. Godliness is profitable if you, if you go there to, 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 to what he said to his, to his spiritual son. And um, let me find that scripture. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It says in, in First Timothy chapter number four, and verse number, verse number, verse number seven. Right, I'm gonna read from verse number, verse, verse number six. It says, "If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith, and of and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane old wild fables." Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. 
But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. And so godliness, it says, it says is profitable unto all things. So is it your health? It's, it's profitable. Is it your family? It is profitable. Is, is, is it your mind? Is it your soul? Is it your business? Is it your career? Is it the, the, the government? Is it society? Is it the ills of society? Godliness is profitable unto all things. Godliness benefits every area, every single thing. But bodily exercise that you were able to do, to run around the, the road and exercise within a, in certain space for, throughout the lockdown period, only profited but a little. But the aspects of godliness that you were prohibited from doing profit of all things. Right? So, and so, and, and we must understand that thing here. It is having profit unto all things and still has the promise of the life that now, having promise of the life that now is and eternal life to come. And so that is the power of godliness. So when Paul says in, in the second Timothy chapter number three, when he says that, 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 that having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, it's saying that they do not understand the power of godliness is unto all things. The power of godliness, it has promised in, for this life and the life to come. It reaches from this life into every area of life. It profits everywhere. It has the, the ability to push every area of life, everything forward. To lift everything up, it is the, the, the thing that produces profit in this life and in the life that is to come. And this is the power of godliness, the power of godliness to transform. But we have in the last day a generation that says, you know what, you can be a form, but they deny the essential power of godliness to transform and profit every area of your life. And so you're living in that hour now. You're living, you can, you can take the scripture and you can just, and you can use it as a stencil, as a filter. And you can look at it as a model and see, you will see almost all the events and all categories of people alive on the, on the earth today that were pushing in the mainstream uh, realms and arenas. You will find them right here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, there from verse number 1. But the word of God says, from such turn away. Do not give ear, do not give attention, do not give focus, but turn away. So they look, if you look at them, you turn away and you move the other way. You say, that is important. If you stand and you gaze, just like Lot's wife, we looked at it last week in Empower Daily. You ain't Lot's wife. Lot's wife turned a focus, her attention towards Sodom and became a salt 
pillar. And so she died right there, fixated upon Sodom. And when the fire and the judgment was falling, she was gazing right at Sodom. She looked back. She did not turn away. The angels of the Lord says, do not look back. Turn. Flee in, in haste. You lots of still negotiated where you wanted to go. They said, okay, now just go. But the one thing, don't look back. But the woman looked back. And so, and so Paul says, yeah, from such, turn away. He says that if the children of Israel had looked back, they would have had opportunity. Otherwise, they would have a carol's moment to go back. You say, you're looking back, you're gazing at something will produce for you a carols, an opportune moment from that thing which you gauge. Right. And so if you look back, you can go back. If you look at the world, you can become like that. If you look at them, they'll have a form of godliness. They deny the power thereof. If you look at the truth breakers and the disobedient, and you look at all of them mentioned here, you have the opportunity to become exactly like they are. And so it is important. And many Christians do not have the skill or the habit or seemingly have the willpower to from to from such turn away but it's important that we learn to turn away from such things and so it is important that that we understand that what is is deadly and if you do we neglect to turn away from such it is a deadly is a dangerous situation we have to understand as God's people that we have to know what to turn away from. And we have to understand now we are not living in peace times. We are living in, per in, in perilous times. Let me go on. And then it says, for, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lives, is ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It said very, very important there that, that we have a generation, there's a certain kind of people. We, we find them now. We have never had so much information, so much knowledge and learning at our very fingertips than ever in the history. Of, we've never had it since the beginning of time. We have the most, we have easy access to every kind of information you can get. All the knowledge is there. And so you find we are the perfect generation that, 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 that the angel told Daniel there. That in the last days, the knowledge and learning shall increase greatly. And so we are in that day, the last day, the perilous times where men are ever learning. You can be ever be learning. You can be a student for life and you will not exhaust in any subject matter the knowledge available freely today on the internet. Let alone what you can purchase. And let alone at the universities and the colleges that you can have access to. Men are ever learning. And we're now in the same manner. You never have, even right now, right now, you have the ability to learn the Word of God from every single, almost every single vessel of God upon the face of the earth. The Christian can be in, in a position to be ever learning. You can learn forever. 
You can come from here and go from here this afternoon and you can switch on your phone and there on your phone you can connect on YouTube, Facebook, whatever app, every streaming app to every single man of God upon the face of the earth. Not only if you miss their live service, you will see the, the, the replay. But this is the generation that we're in. This is the opportunity to be ever learning. But the one thing that is very peculiar, and I've said it so many times over the years, that this seems to be a generation that have all the opportunity and they are ever learning, but they never come to an epignosis of the truth. They never come to an understanding, a full comprehension of the reality. It is the most lost generation that you've ever had. It is a generation that made up learning to, for, in abundance, but knows them and, and, and grasps, but understands reality the least. And we have to be those that come to an epignosis, a knowledge, a full comprehension, a mature grasp of the truth. We spoke about this on Friday, remember, in that prayer meeting, where we talked about, about truth. What is truth? Pilate asked Jesus. Right? What is truth? You see, I came, he said, I came to bear witness. And for this purpose came I into the world, to bear witness of the truth, Jesus. He, he made a statement there in John 14, verse number 6 there, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we have to understand in our day, there's going to be nothing more important, and we spoke on Friday, nothing more important for you as a believer, but to be able to discern and to grasp truth. If you're not able to grasp truth, you are going to be in a difficult situation in the last day, in this day, this perilous time. Because learning is abundant. What are you learning? There's so much. What, what is true? I grew up in Christianity. I grew up in a time that if I, wanna, I wanted to find a, a, a man of God other than my pastor, I literally had to skip church on a Sunday. If I wanted another, another uh, uh, person's uh, teachings, I have to literally go out somewhere and procure it. Uh, that means I must travel to a place to get it. Unless my pastor sold it in the church's bookshop, I had to go and search for it. I had to, 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 to scrounge for it. And at that time, I thought it was not a blessing. We wish that we had access to everything. But now, we praise the living God. We, 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 we are so glad we didn't have access to all the learning that the generation had. Because otherwise, we too would be ever learning and have never have come to an epignosis, an understanding, a grasp of the reality. We would have not been able to manifest one little bit of God. Why? Because the ever-learning, the abundance of learning has made it very difficult for man to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have to grow, we, we have to chew, meditate on what spiritual food was, was available. We didn't have an abundance of where we could go and eat. We had to eat 
seat at the table of where God put us. And so, but today it is not like, like that. And that is one of the greatest reasons why Christians struggle. Because they think, because they're ever learning, they have come to an epignosis of the truth that is not so. And so is self-deception is one of the greatest spiritual ailments of the body of Christ. There are many people that can tell you about the Holy Ghost, can tell you how the power of God. Today you have young people that get together on a Saturday. Then they put on the, 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 the men of God and they watch the men of God. Then they have a one that, that, that is the de facto leader and senior among them, a would-be man of God. And, and, and he is there explaining and narrating to them what is happening but he has no clue of what is happening but now they think because they have learned that thing they have not actually ever learned but they they seeing and they and they and, and they consuming that information but they never coming to a comprehension of the reality of of that part of the word of god they never seem to manifest their lives are unstable and they have to eventually go to a prayer line contact a person secretly that have come to an epignosis of the reality but they but but the one thing they fail to understand is to grasp is, a, is to ask that person and whose prayer line they stand whose counsel they seek whose covering they want to be under how did you come to an epignosis how do you come to the knowledge of the truth and where even if they do, it's like the scripture says, you have not because you ask not. But even when you ask, you ask amiss because your motives are wrong. You want to spend it on your own lust. And so that is the point. So many people, when they ask, but when the answer comes, they reject the answer. And they continue on in darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Why? Because they have never entered into a place where light and understanding enters them. Because they don't come to the knowledge of the truth. And there's something that you have to guard your heart. You have so much access to not only Christian and spiritual things, but to many other things that comes to you to peddle itself and announce itself with the facts of the day, with what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future, how you must prepare for yourself. There is now an abundance of how to prosper in these perilous times from so many people, and desperate people are going to the blind, and the blind is leading the blind, and Jesus says, there's a predictable outcome that both are going to fall into a ditch because the things on the earth are going to be so volatile. Even if men planned it, even if men strategized it, there's going to be abnormal, unforeseen major reactions in this decade that they did not anticipate. It will not go the way any man plans the course of the rest of humanity. It will not go that way. Why? Because the spiritual realm has become so so close to the, to the movements of men that the volatility, the darkness, the turbulence and, and the upheaval of the unseen realm is pushing so much that it is difficult to predict the outcomes of what is going to happen next. It is only why, because everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. And so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And with thanks be to God, we are receiving, we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken who on earth is going to shake the Holy Ghost 
And so we have to learn to understand and discern the spirit of reality, the spirit of truth, because it is his function and his function alone to guide us into all reality and to show us things to come. John 16 verse number 13. And we have to come to come to, to comprehend, to grasp what is reality. Jesus said, what should I liken a man that hears my words, the words of God, and does not do it? He said, I'll tell you what that man is like. He's like a man that builds his house upon the sand. And for a while the sand is very warm, the sun is shining, and there's no, and, 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 and it's the heat of summer, he thinks he prospers. But then the storm comes, then the trial comes, then the upheaval comes, and Jesus said that the storm by, by that house is washed away. But he says, so what shall I liken a man that hears the words of my father, hears the words of God, and does that words of God? He is like a man that built his, his house upon a rock. And when, when, when he's finished building, it may have taken some time. He may have had to, 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 to work and negotiate to level that foundation. To make sure that, that what he's building goes deep into that hard rock. It took him more time. It was less glamorous. It was, it was more sweat. It was more grit. It was more dirt. It took a long time. It took more resources. The guy who built upon the sand, he, he was very quick. He, 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 he was first over the line. You could watch the other guy, but the guy with the, with the rock was still building. And Jesus said, there came a day that a storm came. And the storm beat both the man and the, the house on the sand and the house on the rock but the house on the rock after the storm was gone the house was still there you say you must be very careful you can be in the house of your mighty God. You can be online somewhere. You can read a book somewhere. You can read the Holy Bible and, and yet confuse it with you doing it. It is not you who read the Bible. Sometimes I feel sorry for people. I, I, they say I feel sorry in a, in, a, in a really amused sense. I feel sorry. It is very painful. It is very, it is, it is very sad. But they don't get, even get time to read the Bible, let alone do the Bible. You ask them, what did you do? They say, do you read the word? They say, no, I struggle to read the Bible. I struggle to understand the Bible. Then you know exactly who you are. Jesus said, he, we told the parable of a sower. He says well, that, that the sower sowed the seed. And, one, and the seed, some of the seed fell to the wayside. And in the interpretation, he says that that sower is me. That seed is the word of the kingdom. That ground is the hearts of men. But it says, well, when I speak and I preach that sober word and you do not understand it, it immediately Satan comes and steals that word. And so they are saying, when I read, before I could read, before that words, before the, the can enter my soul, before it can hit my heart, the devil is right by me and has stolen. And sometimes they say it with such boldness. They say it like, like so easily. They say it all as nonchalant. Oh, I just don't, I struggle to read the Bible. I struggle to understand. I don't spend time in the word, you fool. 
You are building a house upon the sand. When the evil day cometh, you will not stand. There is no, there is no percentage. You have no probability. You will fall. Why? Because Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but the words I speak will never pass away. Are you calling Jesus a liar? You understand it is the easiest part to sit here. It is the easiest part to come on a Sunday and listen to the Bible, to the Word of God being preached or taught or read or whatever. It's the easiest part. But, but both the fool and the wise, both the one that will be destroyed tomorrow and the one that, that, that will be standing next week, if that's all of them, hear the word of God. Both the ones that will, that will give up and turn back and let the word of God go from them, the one on the stony, the stony things, that, that will be offended when persecution arises for the word's sake, when tribulation arises for the word's sake. And, all the, and the other one and the thorns, that, 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 that the deceitfulness of riches and the case of his world will eventually choke the growing fruit of the word in their hearts and, and will never bear fruit unto maturity. And the one that, 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 that is good ground, that will bear 30, 60, and 100 for, they're all sitting in one place. They're all listening to one word. They're all under the same, under the same influence, but the outcomes is so vastly different. And understand that we have to come, we have to be defenders of the truth. It says, how can you cannot stand? It says, having done all to stand. Because he rested against flesh and blood, and presence, but against principalities and powers, and the rulers of the darkness of his, of his age, of, and, and, and the spiritual weakness in the high places. And so he said, having, having done all you stand, having put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in that evil day, to be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might, you still have to put on the armor of God. And one of the key parts of the armor of God is the belt of truth. To undergird, to keep, and your sword, the sword of a spirit, is hinged, and the belt is hanging. It depends upon the belt, the rest of the armory upon the belt. Have you not seen, even, even with modern day guns, there was an agent of some country, FBI agent, that was dancing one day, and he had his gun in his pocket, and the gun went off and shot somebody. It fell while he was doing the boogie, whatever he's doing. And he did his move, he was, he was, he was nice, and his gun fell and he went off and he shot one of the patrons. Why? Because the, the gun was not harnessed in a valve in some way. So while he was doing, it was not fixed because he had no belt, no holster. And it's so with the word of God. So many, when they want to pull the sword, the sword is gone. Why? Because the belt is missing. Truth left them. They were deceived by the deceiver. Jesus said when the devil, he speaks his native language, his lies. When he speaks lies, he speaks his first tongue. His, mother, his tongue, his first language. His tongue is lies. 
And so if you say the devil is out there, that's why it says false accusers. The word false accusers is the word diablos. Is the word devils. You must understand three times in the New Testament uh, uh, it's used as accusers. Three or four, three, four, three times. It is used as accusers. Interestingly, in, in two things, it talks about wives. You find it in the book of Titus and infirmity. It says, tell the wives, not because it's good, what it actually meant. There are three times in the New Testament, the word diablos is not, which is devil, is not translated devil in the King James. The one is here, in, and the other one is also in firm, the other one is in Titus when he talks about wives. To say that the deacon's wife must not be a devil, grave or not a devil. But somebody was very scared for his wife, and that was later thing there somewhere. And so he made sure that he puts in a, 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 a accusers. Right. So that's why uh, uh, Paul tells Titus that the older woman teaches the younger woman not to be devils. Other words, just by the way, don't be upset for me. It's the Bible. Amen. Right? You can read it. I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I'm, I'm already in trouble. In the, and so, 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 so. But, but other words, Judas was able to be, so one of you is a devil. And the other kind of people that are able to be like Judas is wives. Wives are able to be devils. Therefore, the wives are warned to say, not be devil, because it's easy to be a devil. A diablos. It is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful revelation. It's a, but it's important. Just by the way. But you must understand that truth is, at, is now being warned against. It is a fight. But if you lose the bound of truth, everything else is useless. Do you understand this? If you lose the bound of truth, if you lose truth, therefore he says, He was the truth has come. Therefore he said, Therefore he said, I came to bear witness. I came to provide evidence, he said. I came to be a reliable witness of what is truth. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? He said, I came to bear witness of this thing. He said, are you a king? And he said, yes, you speak the truth. He said, you're right. For this was I born. And to bear witness of the reality. What is reality? We're going to have artificial intelligence. Artificial reality very soon. Do you know in psychology, in your subconscious, cannot see the difference between what is true and what is not? Okay. Have you ever dreamt a dream and thought it was real until you woke up? And then you realized it was only a dream? But your whole being, you will find that you were sweating, you were shaking, you were doing all the things. If this was a scary movie, you were all doing exactly what the horror movie you were doing done in the horror situation, right? But you were more persuaded of that than you had any horror film and that horrible the nightmare that you got. Why? 
because it cannot distinguish between the two, what is reality and what is not. And so it is. Why do the devil flood the world of lies so that it can go beyond your consciousness? So that you go get so used to that you believe your source of truth out there is reliable. So that you're no longer conscious, no longer discerning, so that you just accept it. Because so-and-so said it. It is, not, it is not true because Prophet Ryan said it. It is true because the word of God says it. Because Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. That's why we quote the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we read the New Testament. I'm not, I can, I can, if the unction allows, I can be preaching prophetic messages out of the Old Testament. I used to do that. I used to preach some symbology. From the Old Testament. That is where we, and, and, and do it that way. God speaks that way. The prophets love that way. We even hear that way. But when we come here to the empowered church, we want to look at what Jesus said. We want to look at what the apostles said. We want to look at these things. Why? Because the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We are not the repeat of the prophets. We are the continuance of Christ, the perfection of Christ that will be perfected in us as we grow up into the one man, Jesus Christ. We is the very standard of reality. And so we have to understand that in these last days, you will have an opportunity to be ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Say to your neighbor, God forbid. You say, why? You don't want to be that person. You want to be that person that is alive and awake, grasping what reality is. That means you have to understand, you have to have the right attitude to walk in truth, to capture the realm of truth. You have to be in a position, in a right attitude, the scripture declares. If you're in the wrong attitude, you will never get there. I want us, in Ephesians 4 verse 25, I was just reminded by the Holy Ghost of this thing. Verse number 20, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 70. I'll read from verse number 70 for context. The Holy Ghost just reminded me of this. It says verse, in Ephesians 4 verse number 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of the mind. Right? I was in the vanity of the reasonings. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So they are dark. Their heart is blind. And therefore they are ignorant. What is darkened? The understanding. It is the spiritual eyes that are darkened. And because the spiritual eyes is darkened, they are cut off from the zoe of God, the life flow of God. 
who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all un uncleanness of greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. What are you learning? We say people are ever learning. No matter what we do, and we are passionate about seeing the, the ways, the voice, and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ made make evident in the marketplace and society. We are passionate about this. We want to see my heart. The vision is, is to see a marketplace revival. It is to see God move in the marketplace. It, it, it is to see, to empower the powerless, the powerless leaders, the powerless Christians, the powerless and, and do them with, with endowments, graces, gifts, impartation that will elevate them and push them into a spiritual dimension. That is what we want to do. And then we want to envision the visionless. There's a generation looking for leaders because they are blind. They have no vision. But Paul said at the end of his life, he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. You see, from a young man to an old man, he had one vision. The heaven is if there's one thing I do and so many of our generation that they, they have no clue what they have to do they are confused today they are in verse tomorrow they do something that today they say this thing then enough because they've never caught the heavenly vision so we want to envision the visionless and we understand we want to enrich the impoverished the this the disenfranchised you and I may be privileged maybe God has we we we, we have our background Maybe God intervened in a lot in the settlement, but there's a whole sector of the church that is disenfranchised, that is impoverished throughout the world, even in this very city. And so we have to be a people that will begin to move to a place of marketplace influence so that that which is disenfranchised, that which is impoverished, can be elevated and lifted up into the glorious liberty of the children of the Almighty God. And that is what we want to see. That is the three elements of the threefold code of the empowered church. It is to empower the powerless, envision the vision, and enrich the, 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 the disenfranchised. But at the end of the day, if what we do is not about Jesus, loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, and being exactly like Jesus, it is all useless. For Paul says, I counted all, everything but lost, but done for the excellency of knowing Christ. All that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. All that I may know him. He says, it's about knowing Jesus. Ultimately, through and through, right through every fiber of what we do, want to do, want to see, what to talk about, what we want to accomplish, the things that we do is all about Jesus. And Jesus is about those things. It is the heart of Jesus. But we have to come and we begin to say, God, I will not allow myself that the truth, the reality, to be distorted to my soul and spirit. But I will grasp what is reality. Let us go on. And so here we are learning Christ. It's about learning Christ. Christ can be learned. 
And sometimes the Christ you learn is not the Christ you knew, thought you knew. You made up as Christ and as you went along. They told you in Sunday school or some preacher on television told you what the Jesus is like, but you never opened the Bible for yourself. I am amazed at how many few people open the Bible. How many few preachers go, go and turn, let us turn, because people don't even have Bibles anymore. It is all on the app. The guy could be surfing Facebook there, watching Google, Instagram. That's why we insist here, yeah, it, is, it is our culture and our policy that we, we hammered it in in 2017. You come to church, you come with a Bible. You understand when I have a relationship with God, I have a relationship with my Bible. If I tell you I was, I was spending time with God, I was telling you I was spending time in my Bible. If I was saying God spoke to me, I'm telling you my Bible spoke to me. He said, so, 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 so if I say I have intimacy and fellowship, intimacy, I mean I have intimacy with my Bible. My Bible goes with me in prayer. I, I, I will feel naked, ill-equipped, and there will no connector to God. I never pray without my Bible. I move with my Bible. My Bible is in every prayer time. My, I cannot pray without my Bible. It is, imp it is impossible. I, 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 you know, that's why I have a Bible. Though, you know, I, 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 I was a, my other Bible, it fell apart. My Bible started to tear. There was water on it. There's all kinds of things that was on it. But I tried to. The cover began to. I, 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 I found the way. I said to my, uh, to my wife, I said, if there's nothing, what can we do to, to, to repair that Bible? Even to today, we have, uh, this last week, you were giving me tips of what we can do to take that Bible to get a new uh, piece of leather and have them put that Bible together because I am grieving for my Bible. I miss my other blue Bible. But I have begun to go fond of this Bible now. The Bible and I, is, we're beginning to understand one another. The Bible is beginning to talk. You see, there is some, there is some uh, highlights there. It's not like the other one. The other one was, like, was lit up. It was like neon lights, like floodlights everywhere you, are, you look. So that means we, we, we communicate. The, the Bible and I identify for one another. We have become one. And this one, we're not one yet. The other one and, and I, we, we became one. But this one, we're on our way. We're on our way to a relationship. We're on our way to becoming very serious with one another. And so it is speaking. You understand. We're coming to a place of intimacy to the word of truth, the word of God. This is the only thing that will matter and stand in the last day. Your emotions will fail you. Your thoughts may fail you. Your body may look like it's failing. But the one thing that is steady is the word of the living God. Peter said that the word of the Lord endure forever. And he even do it. John said that you even do it. Abide forever. It's the word of God. What is man? He fades. He goes away. It's like a flower. He disappears. But the word of the Lord endure forever. It will stand forever. He is the word Jesus that became flesh. He is the utterance of the spirit. And so we love the Bible. We, we know we are not I, I have gone beyond belief. I am convinced. I know that I know by handling the word of life like John said. I have handled the word of life. I know this to be the word of God. I know God to be true. Many times my life my livelihood, my future depended upon the word. It was not a vision. It was not an angel. It was not a feeling but I had to stand on the word of a living God they are that I had to look at the Bible and I was sick and I had to dance where well, I had to work to, to azak myself, encourage myself, bow myself up in the word of God and the only thing that I could stand upon it is the word, this Bible, the holy Bible, the holy scriptures. And so we love the truth, thy word is truth. 
So we don't come to play games. You understand we never depart from the basics. I don't, I don't, be, yes, I, I only, I only believe in that they are angels. I, I believe that it's a devil. I believe in these things. Why? Because the Bible told me so. And so I believe the word of God from a young boy. And I found that through the years the word to be true. The Lord one that says the word has become flesh in life. And begin to walk and talk and move with you. The word must become flesh. It says the word is now paper at the beginning of my walk. The word was paper. It was just paper. Just paper. Just paper, immaterial. It was just, it was just material thing, but it was inanimate. It was not animated. It was dead. The only life was when my mind tried to move. And the Holy Ghost whispered in my heart. It says, you want to know me. My word must become flesh. My word must become like you. It must become a being like you that communicates to you like, like your friends communicate to you, like your pastor communicates to you, your personal Bible. The word must become flesh. Until my Bible began to talk to me more than any prophet, more than any pastor, more than any teacher. The word was talking to me constantly. That's the problem. Many, 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 many people said, but my child grew up in church. I taught them godly values. Why did this happen? The Bible never told you to bring your, your, your children to, to church or to bring your children to the, to the synagogue. Uh, the, the Bible said that you must teach the word, speak the word. That number, chapter number six, that prophet's Chapter number six, that says the word of God must be so imbued, so engraved, so engrafted in their hearts. Wherever they turn, morning, morning, or noon, or night, in the midnight, wherever, left or right, the word is talking to them. And so you and I must be. Let's go on. Where are we? We're Ephesians chapter number four. Hallelujah. I know somewhere we're out of time, but let's go on. It says, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in who? Is in Jesus. So, 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 so if so be that you have heard him, heard him. Otherwise, you heard him. You heard him. You heard who him? Who is him? Jesus. Who him? God. You've heard him for yourself. And have been taught by the apostle? By the prophet? No, by him. So, so if so, you said, you must learn him. It says, uh, but if you have not, but if you have not so, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him. How do you learn Christ when you hear him? When you, when you are taught by who? By him. As the truth is in Jesus. The reality is in Jesus. Therefore the word it goes on to say there. Very, it says, put off the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the evil lust and be, be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness wherefore put away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another so they will put away untruths many have never turned away so they don't even know they're speaking an untruth. 
I am so conscious that many times of the songs we sing, but we don't sing a nice song that is half truth and half untruth, and that we are affected by the untruth. Things we allow, we say, okay, let's let things slide. But we have a thing we say, no, 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 that, that is not New Testament reality. So we don't sing that. Why? Because it's an untruth for us. The truth is in who? Jesus. It is not something we receive in who we are in Jesus. And it's important that we have to put away to lies, untruths, whether intentionally or unintentionally. That's what it says in the last day, in Revelation 22, the outside of them that lie, make of a lie and love of and believe of a lie. Okay. Untruths being deceived by the deceiver. But we must speak the reality. But how do we speak the reality? How do we get there? How do we maintain there? I want us to turn to first John chapter number two, verse number twenty-seven. This is not what I want to say. I'm still going to say what I came here to say. But the Lord has ministered unto me in the early hours of the morning. Hallelujah. After I was done, the last time I slept was Friday evening. I just could not sleep. He kept me awake. It's like I have a gift of awakeness. So I was wondering what I'm going to do to, my, to myself this whole morning till 3 o'clock because I said, okay, now I have to force myself to sleep between the morning and 3 p.m. And I just could not. And then I saw it suspended. I say you are my sleep. My sleep has, has escaped me. I have. I cannot sleep. It's gone. And so I said that must must be the unction to come to church. Yeah. Hallelujah! Let me roll out of bed. After I say we are moving, say prophetess, just just say to them, hey, we cannot go to church. I cannot sleep. But why? Because God is so excited to bring to you and admonish you to be defenders and spreaders of the reality that is in Jesus. So in 1 John chapter number 2, we're almost done. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory be to the name of Jesus. It says verse, I'm going to read from verse, I'm read verse 20 first, and then I'm going to go to 27. It says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Verse number 27, there's an unction there. A moving, a stirring of that anointing. But the anointing, verse number 27, and but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you, and you need not any man teach you. Why? You must be taught of him. Learn him, hear him, right? You need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you. Of all things, 
and is truth and is no lie. And even it, as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. You see, it is not what I teach you that's going to cause you to abide in him. It is what the anointing teaches you. It is what Christ teaches you. It is what you hear of him that will cause you to abide in him. It is important to understand this. Our ways, the things we tell you, like we mentioned on Friday, it is to aid you. It is to help you to walk in the spirit, to walk in the move of God, to operate in the anointing without being killed. But the thing, if I come and I say, this is how you heal the sick. This is how you cast at the devil. This is how you do the thing. And you look at the lives of most people like that. Their personal lives is a shambles. Many of them, they die young. Why? Because they do not have an appreciation for the realm of the spirit. They do not have appreciation for what is the reality. And so they succumb in the battles of life. It's like going to military. I haven't been in the military myself, but I have been in certain martial arts. If they just got me there and they say to me, you know what, in full contact karate, you just go right there, here's your punch, here's how you kick, go and fight. You'll get murdered. I saw men being kicked to hospital. They're having to be resuscitated because they were not ready to get into the battle. First, they had to teach me the discipline of the art. They had to before I could punch one punch or kick one kick, get one style. I had to learn the philosophy. I, learned to un I had to understand, here this style is not the other we, we hit. And so you must understand, you must be able to take the punch. And so much of the training, my wife is there, karate champion there, and she, I, for the most part, the, lament, the, the lamentation in those days was, was a broken hand and, and a black eye and, and the bruises. So when she won the competitions, if you think it, it is the technique that she learned, no. It is the toughness of what she had to withstand. The punches, the kicks, the bruises, the broken arm, the sprained knees and ankles, to understand what, they are, what the series of the battle is. So when you sign that document, you say, I, I identify, I, I don't keep the association, the competition are liable if something happens or death happens. Because if somebody just misfortune kicks you in the wrong place and you're gone, at least you must be aware. And so what they teach you is discipline, like in military. They don't teach you right to shoot a rifle, go out and send them to, 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 to battle. No. No. And so what we busy here with is to learn Christ. So that we can, in the battles of life, know how to abide in him. But we, by the anointing, can know what is truth.
as much as you hear me this morning, you must hear him. You must hear the voice. The Bible must speak to you. When you go home tonight, it must talk to you. Tomorrow morning, it must talk to you. You must wake up in the middle of the night and have a conversation with the book. You can hear a voice, but how do you know in the night time? Whose voice did you hear? You can whisper a prayer into the dark, but who did you whisper it to? But you can pick up the book and you can have a guarantee you read the word of God. You can hear things, how do you know it's truth? But I tell you, from, from, the, from Genesis chapter number one right to Revelation 22, it is truth. You say, I'd rather invest my life in a sure thing. What does the word of God declares? We, we, we saw that scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter number 20. 21, verse 20, 20, 20, 22, 22, verses 22, verses 20. Proverbs 22, verses 20, hallelujah. We are almost done. Hallelujah. It says verse, Have I not written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I may make known, I may make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mayest answer the words of truth to them that sin unto thee. We looked at that, I think one broad gone somewhere there. But I understand this. This is, I write to you. So what, what we do with the Empowered Church, what we do with the Empowered Daily, what we do with the books, what we do with his meetings, is saying to we are writing. Uh, uh, the psalmist says, my, my, my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. Paul says, you are an epistle written by our mouth, uh, not in tablets of stone, but in the tablets of your heart. What are we doing? We are giving you excellencies, excellent things in counsels and knowledge. But what do we want to communicate to you? We want to, you may know comprehend, come to an epignosis, come to a full knowing of the certainty the absolute sureness will beyond all doubt of the word of truth how sure, how certain the word of truth is because there will surely you must the answer that men are looking for is the words of truth from your mouth and you must know the certainty of it so you can open an answer with boldness because we are people that will come, that will be sent unto you that will never be sent unto us. And number two, they are demonic attacks, things, messengers from the invisible world that is coming for your life and the words of truth you must answer. Like Jesus says to the devil, it is written. Do you understand? And therefore we come then to Proverbs 23, verse number 23. And this is not what I want to say, but I'm saying this by, by the way. I'm on my way of what I wanted to what I need to say of the Lord uh, uh, um, here, uh, today. But it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. It tells you that truth will come at a price. So will wisdom and instruction and understanding. Is not for free. 
Sometimes it looks for you as for free. Number one, you have to understand if a person is communicating to you truth, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, it came at a price for that person. It costs more than you can imagine. So you're foolish to think that it will not cost you. It must be bought. It must be procured. Understand that. You must know at what price it will come to you. What price? How do I buy? What will it cost me to buy truth? Because the words of truth are absolutely certain. Lies are free. Truth is expensive. Do you know one of the reasons why you don't come to the knowledge of the truth in your life is because it came to you cheap. You have not procured it. You hustled your way into it. You're looking for a cheapie. You're looking for a bargain. Truth can never be discounted. Because you can never discount God. Understand these things. I want us to turn to First Timothy, chapter number three, and verse number fifteen. Glory be to God. First Timothy chapter three, verse number fifteen. Hallelujah. But if I tarry long, Paul writing to this man, and I want to read it to you in both the King James and the Amplified. So let me go here to where I have Amplified available. Paul writes in King James Version, chapter number 15, first Timothy chapter 3. But if I tarry long, that, that thou mayest know how, know, know, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of God, the, the, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Let me read it again. Paul was telling him, giving him instruction. Let me read it amplified. He says, verse, If I am detained, you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God. But let me read Jesus 14 in the amplified. It says, it says, Although I hope to come to you before long, I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I am detained, you may know how people ought to be, conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and stay, the prop and support of the truth. Let me read it again. 
These things I write I unto, unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. He said, many people don't come to the knowledge of the truth. Many people can't, even they know all these things about the anointing, I always find it fascinating how many times young people, people around, they're out there, they're always wanting, they're always chasing another one man of God and then another man of God, always chasing another that secret and this secret, but they never seem to come into any of these secrets. And they can quote you all the scriptures we quoted to you now before. They can quote it in more versions than I can. But somehow they just never come to the experiential knowledge of the realities. But I in Christ Jesus. But the reason why it is, they do not know how to behave themselves in the house of God. They do not know when they in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, how they ought to behave. They do not know how to posture and position themselves. What they fail to understand, that the house of God, the church of the living God, it is the very pillar and the very ground of the truth. And so where you're going to, the foundation, the undergirding, what makes the truth stand, what makes it secure in your life, the place where, where truth is being provided, it is the house of God and it is the church of the living God. We gather in this place and Paul was telling Timothy, right from, from chapter number one, he was telling him of the bishops, right the whole chapter number no, no, number three. He was telling them how to behave in the whole chapter number one, chapter number two. How do you behave in the congregation? How do you behave in the house of the living God? And therefore I was watching some, some man of God, some great general of God that lived, that lived between 1800s and that died uh, somewhere in 1900 something, right? And so, and so the great generals of, of, of God and, and, and one day uh, one of his mentors, uh, one man that was used to, 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 to help him in the ministry said to him, well, he said the empty church is the devil's delight. An empty church building. Is the devil's delight. And he says, let's give the devil, let make, let's make the devil unhappy for somebody. Right? And so just take, let's take a bit away from the devil's joy. And the man was trying to say to him, you know, instead of preaching around thee, become the pastor of this church. Stay in, this, in that place. And begin to, and the great the young man uh, 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 heeded to that challenge and became there and became a great general, one of the great evangelists. Of United States of America. Right, but, but names, it's not in God's generals there, but was a great man that lived many years and won thousands upon thousands to Jesus. Man that moved in the miraculous. But the point of the thing is, it is that understanding the value of the house of God. You see, the church of Jesus Christ, you, 
the place where you gather around. It, it, you gather around what is the pillar and the ground of truth. It is what upholds the truth here. And so you can live always out there, always with loose cannons, always somewhere out there. And they never come to an epignosis. They never come to the knowledge of the truth. They can be ever learned, they can quote you, but you can look right through them. It is scary. Absolutely scary. Why? Because people just refuse to believe the Bible. And Paul was telling Timothy, it is the house of God. If I am delayed, I want, I'm coming, I want to come to you. I'm on my way. But for any reason, I get stopped. I'm sending this letter ahead of me. So people must behave rightly. Because this house of God, this is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. They want the truth. The one what I've sustained is this, this, you undergirds and makes the truth manifest in life and produce. It is, it is the church of the living God, the house of God. And that is what I came to tell you here. And then, then something in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, this is very important, that the Lord wants me to minister unto you. And I know we have taken a lot of time. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Praise in Nam van Hallelujah. The name of Jesus be glorified. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory be to the name of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And verse number. Verse number 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Says God, has called, God has called us unto holiness. And so it's a calling. Let me make a calling where we must respond to. A calling that we must behave ourselves wisely and rightly in the word of God. For example, we have three people there in 2017. We call them the Holy Trio. Are they called the holy trio? Because were they called the holy trio? Because they were holy to the contrary. Probably the most free and holy people you can find in empowered church. But what was, why are they called the holy trio? Because God was calling them by the scripture into holiness. And God was saying, you're calling as three friends. You have the calling to be holy. But if they, and you have, but a calling must be responded to, and the opportunity must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. That means if they don't respond, they may never enter and become the holy. And three other young men will, will become the true, true holy trio in manifestation and reality. And so it is not that they were. God was saying, You are the holy trio. But why? Now that you are the holy trio, change. But if they fail to change, maybe they're all one day, 20 or 30 years from now, they may find themselves now becoming holy. And they may happen just be free holy men. But they will not be the be holy trio. It be free other young men that call that in our day. You see, it is a calling unto holy. 
Do you understand this? But what needs to happen, there needs to be an adjustment. There has to be a believing of the core. It has to be a soul out. It has to be a thing. But if you, if you deadly deadly, you'll never step into that core. You have to behave yourself correctly. You have to respond in kind. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. When he got the calling on the road of Damascus, there was no other thing anymore. It was not, he said, I died. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth on me. And the life and I live in the flesh. I live by the favor of the Son of God. And so you must understand this like this example of a holy trio. It is only God says in holiness. I called you unto holiness. Now do what I told you in the first place from verse number one. You say, God calls us, but we have to respond. We have to pursue the calling. Paul writes there in, in, in the word of God. He says this thing. We have to understand this because we're talking about responding to truth, repositioning ourselves to what God wants us to be. And we, if we don't do that, we will never enter into where God, by His Spirit, has desire for us to become. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 1. And you'll find it throughout Paul's New Testament writings. He said, verse, Paul called to be an apostle, called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. I say, it is a calling. But he had to respond to the calling. Therefore, he says, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I got my call. I grasped my call. I was called into this apostleship and I pursued it with everything that I have in me. I want us to turn to 2 Peter chapter number 1. There's a lot of Bible, but welcome back. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Lord Jesus, we are almost done. Hallelujah. In Second Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3. I'm going to read from verse number 2. It says this. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything will be but it's already been given to us, and the life of God, as he goes on to say, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. So you must come to the knowledge of him. But what has he called you unto? He has called us unto glory and virtue. And so in other words, it's a calling. But we must respond and behave correctly to that calling. It is a truth. It is a fact that he's called us, but he's called us unto, but we must respond to that calling. God wants us to behave in the house of God in the manner that is pleasing to him. Right? We, 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 we saw us. If you go on to say, verse number 10 of, of that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10. It says, Refer the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. 
if, if, you, for if you do these things, the things that he spoke before that, you shall never fall. You see, you must give diligence. You must give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God calls you apostle. He calls you by your name. But you, but if Abraham staggered at the promise of God through unbelief, his name Abraham would have meant nothing. He would have died without any child. But he gave, he was not weak in faith, but was strengthened, giving glory to God. And became the father of many nations. You see, it's how you respond in the house of God. How do you spawn here in the pillar of truth, the ground of the truth? How, what do you, you call them the glory and virtue. What will you do in 2021? How will you respond in 2021 to your calling, to your destiny, to why he called you into 2021? What will you do? What will you give for it? What will you give in exchange for it? What will you, how committed are you? Is this another place of convenience? Are you, are you just pursuing God? Whatever will be, will be. It does not work that way. Actually, the Spirit of the Lord, God, says, in, it says that we ought to walk worthy of God. We, we, we saw this, right? And worthy of the vocation, Paul said there in Ephesians chapter number 4, uh, from verse number 1. Uh, he said, uh, that, 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 that you must walk worthy of the vocation where you were called. And worthy of God who called you. There is a response necessary. There is a response of the heart necessary. How are you responding? How will you respond? How will you live your life? Many things I can say. But verse is one the Lord wanted us to say. That we be a people that respond to God. Remember what we prayed yes, on Friday. What did we say? Let's go, let, let's remind us of that prayer point that you're supposed to pray every day for yourself. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 11. We're still on that same topic. Ah, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, blessed Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It says verse. First is second Thessalonians chapter one verse number eleven. Wherefore always we pray always always for you that our God would count you worthy of calling, worthy of his calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith of power. But what must he count you worthy? What must he count? You must have found you must count you worthy of his calling. In first Thessalonians chapter two, verse number twelve. I will read from verse number 11. I will read from verse number 10. It says this, You are witnesses and God also, how holily and justly and unblamingly we behave ourselves among you that believe 
as you know how we exalted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father do of his children that you would walk worthy of God who have called you unto his kingdom and glory. The exhortation here this morning, this afternoon then, is that you and I will walk worthy of the calling of God. Worthy of God who have called you unto his kingdom and glory. It is the proper response. Understand. Truth you must grasp. You must be taught of Jesus, not of a man. That book that you have there called the Holy Bible must become an animated personality in your life. There is no other way. What way is it? But Jesus, that is the way. That is the truth. That is the very life. The life eternal. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to change the way you see and know Jesus, leaving your life empowered, envisioned and enriched. For more messages by Prophet Ryan Jacobs or for more information about the Empowered Church go to www.empoweredchurch.com or view our YouTube channel, Empowered Church TV. Feel free to come join our life-changing services.